This edition of the Scaling Culture Podcast was recorded live so listeners like yourself could interact with our incredible guest. If you'd like to participate in an upcoming live cast, please see the show description for details and where to connect with us. You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Today, we meet with David Marquet, a student of leadership and organizational design, former nuclear submarine commander, and named one of the top 100 leadership speakers by Inc. Magazine. David is the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Turn the Ship Around, and David's most recent book, Leadership as Language, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. David speaks to us about the language of leadership and what we can do as leaders to empower our teams to make better decisions. Great. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks uh, very much. David, welcome. I'm humbled and honored that uh, you're giving us your time today. Where, 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 where are you located, first off? Thanks, Rob. First of all, your story is amazing. And uh, I know we're both big fans of Vern Harnish, who's Mm-hmm. An amazing connector and thinker. So, yeah. uh, so I'm happy to be on your show. I'm guessing I'm going to learn as much from you. I'm down in Florida. Okay. So I don't know if you're still up in Canada, but uh, it's starting to get like the weather's shifting now. The Canadians are starting to come down here. Or no, That's right. go, go back home, actually. <laughs> we are coming down there. I hope you have room. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we got lots of room. Just don't bring the COVID. No, 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 we wouldn't do that. Well, well, look, I'm super uh, excited and and everyone uh, is to have you um, on our podcast today. And, you know, I just want to start with this book and you wouldn't know this, but it played a pivotal role in my past business. So in the security business, you know, I, I really in 2010 hit rock bottom, lost a lot of money and was really questioning what I was doing uh, in 2010 slash 11. And at that time, I read your book, and not only is there incredible action items and and thought-provoking questions in there which were helpful, but just for me, the overall message that said in a tired industry, being in the private security industry, there is another way. Uh And I guess I took it as you pulled this off in you know, in your space, which is, which is older and more tired than the private security industry. And I thought, wow, it gave me this, this breath of fresh air and confidence. I said, you know, I might be able to pull this off. Yeah. I might, there might be another way. So I just want to thank you for that. Cause it was pivotal. For yeah, me. That makes my heart sore with joy. Mm. It was, it was awesome. And I was glued to the page. I have two copies. I've actually I have three. I have one in my office, one at home and, and uh, one in our, our, cottage because we rent it we want guests to read this book potentially bezos is making so much money yeah that's right that's right as you know the author doesn't make any money yeah that's right you're right about that we're happy we're so happy yeah but we're happy so look i'm gonna kick off i'm gonna just start firing some questions you know i'm gonna start at the top here dave you talk about leader leader environment yeah what is the best way to create that? Give me the, the, the simplistic for our, for our listeners. What is the best way to, to create the leader leader environment from your perspective? Stop telling people what to do. That simple. Stop. <laughs> Boom. End of story. Do. Mic drop. Yeah. So look, here's the deal. Uh, you're right, Ron. I came up through the Navy yeah. uh, and I came up. Can I do, um, can I, is it? Too weird if I show some virtual backgrounds. I wanted I wanted to show some oh. show you guys some stuff. No, so uh, this is the, the this is the leadership book that I had uh, mm-hmm. when I went to the Naval Academy, and it says leadership can be defined as directing the thoughts, plans, and actions of others, so as to obtain and command their obedience, confidence, respect, love. And when you read it now, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. Uh, but it came from the industrial revolution and this was the, right. uh, you know, came from places like this where it was about telling people what to do. You got to understand the way people interacted in the industrial revolution was organizations had a problem. How do we quote, quote coordinate the activities of, of lots of people? And mm-hmm. the way they solved it is they said, okay, we're going to have one group of people. They're going to make decisions until the, bulk of people what to do and so we have language leader follower 
management worker, salary hourly. And we have this, and, and, and these things are um, the vestiges of these. We actually wear different uniforms. You can go to a hospital and I bet you can pick out, these are the doctors, these are the nurses, right. and these are, so, so, so we, we code people. And, mm. and, and we've created, yeah, that. we created it. It's a, it's a man-made construct. It's not no law of nature. And I was sitting there one day, it's like, why are people not taking initiative? Why are they? And my instinct was, oh, you got to speak up. You got to do But that's wrong. They're not no, because the star up. said, I talk. Yeah, because I keep telling them what to do. So I got to shut up and lean right. back to create this. And I almost view it like the dominoes instead of lying into them. I like you lean back mm -hmm. to try to create this space. And for me, it was super awkward. I don't know about you, but this yeah. was hard because you're like, and what do you want to do? And then they're like, say nothing for like 10 nanoseconds. You're like, up, oh, too long, <laughs> impatient. Right. And you thirst for moving the organization forward. But what you don't realize is you're losing in the long run because next week you're still mm -hmm. telling them what to do. And the week after that, you never get right. out of this rat race. And it was so, it, it was hard for me, but it was, it was like this magic because people started coming out of the woodwork. These, oh, the quiet guy, the dumb guy, the person who never said anything. Where are these all geniuses coming from? But David, and look, I, I hear you loud and clear, but they're, it's, it's, not, it's also not that simple, right? Because, because of the way these people were trained and the environment they came yeah. from, there is a lack of trust. They don't trust, and when I say trust, they, they trust you fine that you you can be the leader, but they may not trust that what they're gonna say will land safely, that they can safely say something. So how did you, how did you get there? Safety is key. Safety is key, and it took a long time for me to figure this out. So we're on a nuclear right. submarine. So you, you, like my whole thing is, it's not safe, it's scary. <laughs> right. It's scary, right. dudes. There's people out there trying to kill us. But internally, like, don't make the real, like, you you know, you're on a security. Why? Because there's some people who are just evil. We got to, like, protect ourselves from them. But inside, I don't need to add more fear. So mm. for me, I create, you create a sense of safety, a couple things. Give people choice, make the steps small, be and model the behavior, be vulnerable yourself. And so we would say things like, so first of all, when someone comes to me and says, well, tell me what to do, you're, my instinct was, well, no, no, you tell me what we should do. That's too, right, but not that simple, too right? far. Still, so you say, right. description, tell me more about it. What's the situation? How do you see it? Description, right. you'll say. Then you say, well, what do you think? How do we get here? So softer, let me play that back for you, softer questions. Get them kind of thinking, get the conversation going versus bam, let's go from way anchor, way left to way right or whatever. Yeah, but but it's softer, but in a very, it's a deliberate way. It's description. It's not, a, we go description, analysis, projection. Description, okay. what is it? Analysis, how do we get here? Projection, uh, what do they do in the future? And that moves people from from safer to less safe from what feels more certain. It's very so like, hey, what's the situation? This is what I see. That's not, well, the wiring in your brain doesn't take that through an emotional place. But when you mm -hmm. say, what should we do? Now you're making a decision about the future. Decision making is always emotional. It passes. But I love this. It passes through emotional wire. Right, but, but this three-pronged approach. So describe the situation. Yeah. Why, are, why is it like this? And what's the future look like? What should it, what should it yeah. be? And what, what, what should we do, there's a choice there. You could say, uh, the, the default for most organizations, I call them permission-based organizations. I would like permission to start a new ad campaign, hire this person, whatever it is. And then you, we approve it. We, the leaders, approve it. Uh, we pushed it a little further and said, why don't you try this? Say the words intent. You, well, tell me what you intend to do. I intend to load a torpedo, submerge the submarine. Now, these are operational things. We were 99. I'm just going to say, you know, David, when I read that, I, I almost thought like, geez, would someone be comfortable to say their intention? I was trying to really mold into that. Yeah, because they were many, many of the officers were already operating at permission. Right. And so I just said, you know what, just just let's flip it a little bit. 
So permission is the answer is no, unless I hear yes. Intent means the answer is yes, unless you hear no. Now, it may okay. sound trivial, but it's not. So when you go to someone, imagine you go to your boss and you say, hey, hey, I intend to do this. Here's why I think it's the right thing to do. And here's why we're going to do it right. And the boss says, I don't have time to talk to you. Go, yeah, whatever. I got it. You, mm -hmm. You're doing it. You're, it's happening. It, it, intent is what gives ownership and responsibility. It's the, well, 17 people are going to approve this. That's an invitation to, to irresponsibility because you say, well, yeah, you know, someone else, if it's wrong, someone else will fix it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you know, no one, it's possible that no one else is going to get in the way of this. And when you say you intend to do it, you, it's, it's happening. Now right. people are going to. And, and ha what was, the, what, was the, the, what were some of the roadblocks as you, you know, for those who are on the other side of that to say, look, make this switch you know yeah. that, that was deeply ingrained right how how did they do that and how did you coach them along because different people are different specters that some are embracing it some are saying what are you talking about this is a different language yeah you know well that's exactly it was a different language and, and and we taught it we didn't teach it we we experienced it as a language and and i think this is where most leadership programs are are ineffective is we teach it like history That was nice class. words. That was, you were very kind. Yeah. You were very kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we teach it like history class. Oh, learn these mm -hmm. facts. The Treaty of Westphalia, 1648, blah, blah, blah. And like that, that, that achieves exactly, n well, nothing. Well, actually it achieves one thing. It lets the consultants get paid. Right. But we teach history, uh, leadership is the language. Uh, it, it, it's the words we say to, that's all it is. The words we say to each other. So when we mm -hmm. say, uh, I go to my boss. I say, "Here's what I will. Here's what I like to do. Tell me what to do. Give me what permission do I need? Or here's what I intend to do, and here's why. Or maybe even mm -hmm. this is. I had a problem yesterday. This is what I did about it. it yeah. It's just the words that we say. And so you you want to teach it more like a language. And so, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. so 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 we just practice the word. And so people would come to me and say, "Well, Captain, request." My thing was, I just wouldn't respond to you. Uh, 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 Captain, request permission to submerge the ship. You just turn around. I just away. be like, nah. <laughs> it, it was it was hard. It was awkward. It was maybe a little bit cruel, but they would look at me like, oh yeah, yeah, Captain, I intend to submerge the ship. And then I would kind of perk. I come alive like a like a puppet, and I go, oh okay. Uh, tell me about that. Well, I've checked the water depth, all personnel below shut the hatches. That's an important thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, okay. And I say very well, they try and get, they, they, they try and get my response down to two words very well. If I asked some question that was okay, uh, but. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, and what, what, you know, cause leadership is language. I, I totally align with that. And what's some language that, that as leaders, we need to stay away from. Yeah, from your I, I could give you a bunch of examples. So, so the first is uh, just let's just start with this. Think about your questions. Now, I've been subjected to a lot of questions that aren't really questions. For example, hey, boss, I think we should turn left. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> Not really a question. More like you're an idiot for thinking that and I need you to prove right. to me. <laughs> Hey boss, mm -hmm. yeah, I think yeah. we should not, I think we should delay the product launch. I'm not sure that the 737 Max software is safe. Huh? Why would you want Anyway, so start your questions with the word how or maybe or what. It'll it'll make a better like not are you sure is it safe? How sure are you? How safe is it? You'll get a much more nuanced response. Mm -hmm. It lands softer cuz they also say someone was saying <clears throat> I don't know who this was, but they said why that why makes us defensive. And, and what I had heard the speaker saying, and I, and I can't remember who this was, was because every individual on the planet at the age of two years old had done something, dropped something, broke something. And as parents, we say, why did you do yeah, that? Yeah. And so we're kind of we're, we're kind of trained that why is a, we're a little defensive on why versus to your point, how? Yeah, I, I've said it. I don't know, maybe it was me, but I, I like in the right circumstance, why is okay. But in this, in the context where I'm, Hey, this is what, why that's, it, it sends a signal that I'm right. You're wrong. You got to justify your, 
your position. Right. I'm defensive. Yeah. Right. And so it makes, makes, and so sometimes people say, yeah, never mind. Uh, just do whatever you want. And so some of my favorites, though, are, I call them uh, the binary self affirming questions. Does that make sense? No, I don't even know what binary means. But yeah, binary. So binary is yes, no. So so does that make sense? Yeah. So that's an example. Okay. So no, so so in other words, it's it's a yes no answer, and it's phrased in a way that what I want is does that make sense? Uh huh. Right. Uh huh. We good? Uh huh. Right. No, you want right. to ask the questions that make it. There's already social um, weight against being the guy in the back of the room saying, no, boss, what you just said does not make any sense to me. I don't understand what you're trying mm -hmm. to tell us to do. But David, are you saying, are you saying like, instead of leading the witness to yes or no, where you want to be, you're saying open-ended? Not only that, I'm, what I'm saying is ask a disproving question. How could, uh, da, 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 how could this be wrong? So give me an example. Walk me through an example. You're, a, a couple of differences. You're in a meeting, you got to decide whether to launch the product. Okay. or do more testing right product scheduled for next week it's an airplane it's software it's an operation whatever it happens to be yeah. and so the so the first mistake is we talk about it and then we vote which is the discussion aggregates people to the middle rather than mm -hmm. enhances the outlying position right what you want. right so what you want to do is like get people's opinions before before you contaminate them with discussion. Then someone, someone suggests, we call it embrace the outlier. Someone suggests an outlying opinion. Now you're curious. Hey, tell me more about that. Be curious, not compelling. What we normally see in meetings is, no, no, no let me explain why I'm right. Well, you know what, I don't give a shit about you. But how about be yeah. curious about learn something. But then, at the, let's say at the end, the groups debated. Now here's another thing. I think individuals make decisions, not groups. Groups do not make decisions. If you have the group make every decision, you're going to have every decision is going to be a middle of the road decision. You're never going to have a bold, innovative business. So the individual makes decisions based on group input, not just based on yeah. the end. So anyway, so at the yeah. end, you say, you know what? We're going to launch a product. And then don't say, or, or, or you might say, I'm, we're, I'm leaning towards launching the product based on what I've heard. How could this be wrong? What if in six months, let's imagine this turns out to be a bad uh, decision. What do you think are the most likely reasons for that? And the software guy mm -hmm. says, well, uh, there's, there's a security hole, blah, 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 blah. And, and so, so, so you bring it out. So that's the idea. Cause now I can do something about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got it. So leaning into kind of that playing the devil's advocate role to get the conversation yes. going to, to pull out those and make them more comfortable that may not be comfortable to say, look, you know, here's what I'm really thinking. Yeah, yeah, here's, and, and, and that's, I would start a lot of my sentences was, hey, here, let me tell you what I'm thinking about, blah, 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 blah. We've made this decision to go north. It's based on the assumption that that's where the enemy activity is. But mm -hmm. the enemy, in D-Day, at D-Day, we just had D-Day, we just had the 6th of June, and yeah. one of the, big victories in D-Day was convincing the Nazis that the invasion was going to happen at the Pas de Calais because they had all these inflatable tanks and stuff in that part of England opposite the Pas de Calais when it was really happening down at Normandy. So the enemy is deliberately trying to fake you out. And so it, we, so the assumption, uh, we're going to go north because the assumption is the enemy's north. But if it turns out they're actually south, I need to know that as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be open to those cues. You know, I'm curious, you've been in some, I'll say very tough, sticky leadership roles, right? I mean, some of the stuff that you had done with the Santa Fe that was, and I'll call it risky, you took risks too, um, that were probably even, you know, out of the norm for obviously what, what leaders previously you had done. With today's landscape, you know, with, with, with George Floyd and racism and, and inequality, what do you think that leaders, how should we, how should we be speaking to people? What, what, what should we be doing? Um, what are your thoughts? 
this is international now. This is, you know, and, and it's a, it's a deep problem. I, so first of all, look, racism is evil. It's not a neutral, it's not like I like Toyotas and you like, Right. Um, on right. it, okay, it's it's an evil thing. Mm -hmm. Humans have some wiring that makes you suspicious of strangers, and there's mm -hmm. so there's some innate thing, but that's not helpful in today's modern world. There's no place for it. Our whole approach to leadership. You can't have racism on on a submarine or a military unit, or I don't. You, you, and it's evil in society. We we have to actively work. It's not enough to just not be a racist. You, I think you need to be a, a, an anti-racist. And so, right, we're grappling. Like I don't want to just feel like we're jumping on the bandwagon and putting an email yeah. out or a banner out. But we're in my company. What we're doing this week is. Uh, we do a weekly, I do normally do a weekly video and we're not doing it this week. I told everyone, okay, we're just, we're not going to do that. What I want everyone to do is educate yourself. Mm -hmm. And we bought, everyone could choose whatever book they wanted to read. Uh, I'm reading The Color of Law. Some people are reading Maya Angelou's book, How to, how to Be an Anti-Rate, uh, a, a different book, How to Be an Anti-Rate. Anyway, everyone's kind of picking their own book. And then on Friday, mm -hmm. we're taking time to talk about it. I don't, I'm not an expert. I don't know why these things are so hard mm -hmm. to, to beat out of society. Clearly mm -hmm. it's very disturbing. And uh, I, I, I think you need to talk about it in your, with your team. And for us, they've been some pretty good conversations and not everyone feels exactly the same, Yeah. but, but it's clearly, it's clearly wrong. It's, it, and not everyone has a like how are we going to fix it kind of approach, but we all agree that it's wrong. But I love your approach on look. Let's have an environment. Let's you know to your point. One of one of the things you're doing is is let's all read a book and have a discussion. But but what I'm hearing at a high level is it's our job to create environments to drive discussion because everybody does you know have their own experiences and their own thoughts. And so we should bring those to the table with, uh, you know, with our organization say, look, let's bring this to the forefront. No elephants here. Let's have a discussion around everything. Yeah, I think, I mean, in, in the old day, you would never have a conversation like this. I've never had a conversation like this ever at any workplace I've ever been to. Well, in the Navy, it's, you just, you're just told our position on this is, like for a while, our position was no, no gays in the military. Then we were told, no, that was wrong. Now our position is it's okay to have gays in the military. I always thought like, what's the big deal with, but whatever. I, you know, I was told what my position was. But I think the difference- But how do you deal with, just sorry, let me ask you a question on that. How do you deal with that? Because hierarchy, I mean, that's, that is what it is. How do you as a leader yeah. deal with that? Because I'm sure that some people out there who are listening have different views from their leader. Yeah, you, you know? it, well, it, for me, I ignored it. Maybe right. I shouldn't say it, but I, there were a couple guys on my submarine, I knew they were gay. Right. Everyone, right. like, we all, we all knew they were gay. No one gave a shit. Yeah. It's like, so yeah. what? He's gay, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe I was bad officer maybe setting a bad insubordinate example now there were other things like uh, if you fail a drug test you're out like i'm like yeah i'm solidly behind that but the gay thing i was like i don't really because it was a value thing for you right so you you know but you also create a strong message to others in some you know yeah i mean case. part the whole thing is i need i know what i think i don't need help thinking what i think i don't need seven people agreeing with what i think that doesn't help me what i need is people not agreeing. i need people with different perspectives the whole thing is about That's right so i think the the first of all i think there's an ethical case we have to treat everybody with equality and respect and they should all have equal opportunities that's to me very important i went in the military because I believed in the, the, the way the U.S. Constitution talks about humans. Yep. It's just, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so, so, but the other thing is, 
the hypothesis is that people from diverse backgrounds will typically have more diverse perspectives and opinions and everyone who's cut from the same background. So you'll have a more resilient, more uh, enduring, more lasting organization if you get more diverse opinions. There's a business case, it's a well-known business case that those businesses that invite diverse and dissenting um, opinions mm -hmm. and thoughts will be more resilient. So remind, yeah. So even if you don't feel like I need to do it for them, do it for your company. I, I love what you, I literally wrote down: diversity equals resilience. It, right? it, it, okay, yeah. Think about it. Uh, Irish potato famine. 1845, 2 million people died, 3 million people emigrated, the population of Ireland never recovered. Why? Diversity? No, one crop, potatoes. I was, I visited a, um, before this COVID thing hit, I was in Chile and I was with a, uh, visited a big, uh, there's a, they make a lot of wine in Chile. I'm, I'm a big consumer of their product. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so I'm on this vineyard with talking to the owner and they've got acres and acres and acres of grapes and between like two or they'll have two or three like acres of grapes. And then I have the strip and on the strip, they it's, it's about 30 feet wide. And there are these, it's just sort of, sort of wild looking. There's trees and wildflowers and, and that kind of thing. I said, well, what's this all about? Wouldn't you make more money if you just made all grapes? Like, he said, no, 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 you don't get it. This is diversity. We have all these different plants. We need all these different kinds of insects to pollinate the, uh, the grapes, the bees, and, but not just the bees, but all these, this whole ecosystem. And if all I had were grapes, I would do great for 20 years and then something would happen and, and I'd be entirely wiped out. And it's, the, it's this diversity. The diversity makes me resilient. And like you can talk about from a theoretical aspect, when I saw those strips, where they had dedicated acres and acres to strips of wildflowers, mm -hmm. like, it's real. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say, it reminds me, there's a, a local guy here, John Risley, and he's always got incredible stories. And he talked about visiting Facebook yeah. and he met with their director of HR. And he asked the question, he said, you know, how do you guys drive diversity here at Facebook? And as the story goes from him, the HR manager said, look, you know, there is no way that we can build the best company on the planet with a bunch of people that think the same way. You know, we don't want a bunch of middle-aged white people sitting around the table all thinking the same way. We need absolute different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities. We need, we need diverse thought and diverse debate to get to the best solution possible. And I thought that landed really well and it was really well said. I was, I was impressed by that story. Yeah, and, and well, here's the other thing though. Once you make a decision, you don't need to convince people that they're wrong and you're right. Like, let's say right. we have this, we have this, we have a really good conversation. Launch the product, don't launch the product, launch the product, don't launch. And then we make, and then we make a decision, launch, we're gonna launch. And the people, they come up to you afterwards, hey, I think it's a really bad idea, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to give them some patronizing, well, let me explain why. I'm... Say, fine, you're right. It might be a really bad idea, but we, we don't know is the best, right, making the best call right now. Can you, can your, your head of uh, ops, can you support product launch physically with your actions? You can think it's stupid, but can you physically support it? Yeah, 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 we'll support it. I think you're, I still think you're an idiot, but we'll say, hey, fine, hold, hold on to that thought. I'll give you a chance to prove it right. But for now, this is what we're going to do. So, so let people rest, like respect that. It's so annoying to say, well, we're going to launch. Let me explain why you were wrong. Like it makes you feel like you're broken or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plus, yeah, sure. they might not actually be wrong. That's right. Right. We always say, here's what you know. Here's what you don't know. Here's what you don't know that you don't exactly. know. Exactly. And the like, secret circles got bigger as you drew them, Ron. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I want to ask you quickly about 
You asked this question, and I love, by the way, the thoughtful questions. Taking a page out of your book, for the book Scaling Culture, I just love that you asked deep, thought-provoking questions at the beginning of chapters. That was, that was the first time I saw that done, and I, I loved it, and I'm going to use that idea. <laughs> um, it was great. It really hooked me to, to continue reading, right? It really did. It, it, was, it was impactful. It, it really made me think before I even went any further. So I, I love that. Was that a, well, first, was that a strategy or was that just, hey, this is a good idea? I'm just curious. The question before each Yeah, chapter. I, um, that was just a lucky um, All right, you're strategy. Lucky. All right. Well, I love your lucky yeah. strategy. I'm gonna no, I was start. trying to say, like, if I were reading this book, what? Like, well, what, yeah. what would be the most helpful thing? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do I want people to think about? To, to me, we have an epidemic of people just doing whatever they're told. Okay, what we need yeah. is more people to think and make independent. Like, how is it possible Kim Kardashian gets a million dollars for an Instagram post? It's because a bunch of mindless people following this, oh, buy whatever, and, they, and then they buy it. Like, think for yourselves, people. I mean, I'm not trying to bash her. She's got a brilliant business model. I'm jealous, but it's only because we have an epidemic of non-thinking, compliant sheep. That's right. Well, look, in the book, Outrageous Empowerment, the subtitle was Give People Their Brains Back. They had I, know, I love that. Back. That's exactly right, Ron. I love it. Yeah. And so you asked this question, do you have a rich organizational legacy? Mm. And, then I, and then you made a comment. You said, we did, but we weren't using it. Can you tell me more about that? I, I, I missed, do you have a rich organizational legacy? Yeah, and then you, you commented in the book. It's, so the question you posed in this chapter yeah. was, do you have a rich organizational legacy? And then you made a comment after this in the book. It says, we did, but we weren't using yeah. it. Yeah, can you tell me more? I was really, I, I love that. I love the question. And then, and then the comment got me really curious. We were in the US military and uh, my, my, my trajectory in the military was, for, I was in there during the Cold War. And, and, and you had a great sense of the mission, you had a sense of purpose. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna win this thing. We're here for, uh, we would talk, and then, we we talked about that and then when, by the time i became a submarine commander now the cold war is over right and 9-11 hadn't happened yet it happened on almost the last day of my time in command and so we're like we didn't we sort of stopped talking about why we were there and why are you here oh so i can earn credits for a college degree why are you here oh uh it was the best alternative to just hanging out and with my friend, like, no, we made an oath to support and defend the constitution. It was embarrassing to talk about. People didn't talk about it. Now, wow. I personally felt that the constitution is an important document and yeah, because at a high level, that's what they're there for, to defend. Yeah, I said, like, what is the, like, now here's the key. In the United States, you don't defend, the, the military doesn't defend the president. We defend the Constitution. So, okay. yeah. So, so, and one of the things that Hitler did, the very first thing he did in the German, in the Wehrmacht was he had them re-sign their oath. Instead of supporting the German Constitution, they supported him as a per personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's just a little side note. But uh, so we, we, we were almost embarrassed it was yeah, awkward to talk about it. And I was a geeky kid who didn't really, I was sort of missed the social cues that you really weren't supposed to talk about it. And I said, no, I believe the constitution is a great document. What does it say? I don't know. Well, let's take a look. Do you, like life, liberty, and so pursuit of happiness. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's why we're here. <laughs> right, right. Okay, and then like, so now people, there's a near field, far field effect. Like you got to say, I need you to clean this bilge, climb in that dirty, wet, nasty little hole and, and clean it. Why? Because I got to make the submarine clean because then it's clean submarines quiet. So quiet submarine, we stay alive. Okay, I got that. Mm -hmm. But then there's like this far field. I got to test like, so why do we even have this thing? And why are we even here? Why am I, why do I am leaving my family for six months? That's 
not something that a lot of 19 and 20 year old people uh, are asked to do. And I, I go something they thought about that before they showed up and, and that was a wrong assumption. You read right? it, you read like it's, it's in here, but it's not yeah. in here yet. Okay. And, and I go to a lot of these organizations and, mm -hmm. and they'll, here's one of my favorite things. You go to an organization and they have some motto in Latin <laughs> and you grab the first person you meet and say, Hey, what's this motto mean? E pluribus unum. Well, what does that mean in English? Uh, I don't know. Like it's that it's just BS. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Make your motto in English so people know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love this too. Is and this I think really reflects on allowing people to finally make decisions and and really organizations. I think in your book you say, look, you push information to authority or authority to information. I love that. I. Talk, tell me more about that. Yeah, so in so imagine your your hierarchy where you have the leaders and the followers. So in any organization, uh, the authority we've separated authority from information. The people at the top have the authority to make decisions. The people at the periphery, the person flying the airplane, doing the operation, writing the code, standing at the gate, the security guard standing at the gate, they've got the most nuanced information about the situation. So the way the or industrial age organizations solve this gap between information and authority is they pushed, they channeled information to authority. And so you can buy software that will aggregate what everybody knows, comes up to some big brain, which makes a decision, and then we push it back out. This but organizations do that too. This is your title. Yeah. You have authority, yeah. right? This is the flawed approach. The, the, this was this was the approach for the factory that I showed you. Right, right. The the best that's this approach. What mm -hmm. you want is to push the authority for making decisions to the people who natively have the here. I'll show this picture. Who natively have the information? In other words, don't natively being closest to. Yeah, the people who just naturally have the in, they, they have the information because. They're the ones, they're sitting in the client's office. They're, they're in the code all day long. They know exactly how complex that software is. They know, they know where the potential is for, for, for security holes way more than you do. So let's let them make decisions. We, we also, we say, let the doers be the deciders. Let the people doing the work make decisions about the work as opposed to the industrial age where one group made decisions, told the other group what to do. Mm -hmm. And that is part of buy-in too. If I'm part of the process, yeah. I get, right. Yeah. The people who are part of the process won't fight the process. Mm -hmm. And last question that I'm going to flip over to some Q and A, we've got lots of questions coming in, David. Um, when, when, and I know the military, it was interesting because in my security business, which I sold in 2016, I, I really worked hard, thank yeah. you, to get people through change. And this is, this was one of the most frustrating things. It literally was, I was, I talked to consultants and here's the change cycle and here's where you start and you have to do this and do this and do this. And, and it, it drained, it, it, I spent a lot of my time there, drained a lot of my energy. And then what I did to hack, I'll call hack the system, is I created in our core values, in our, in, in our values to, which drove culture, that we embrace change, that we love our uncharted territory. And so what that did for us is it, it allowed me to now start screening people to see how curious they were, how much they like change in their personal lives in their past. We onboarded with them and held people accountable. So it, it hacked the system. But I certainly, you know, what I, I guess my question is, in the military, if you couldn't get someone on board, what, what did you do? What were you left with? You just couldn't get someone there. They were just command and control, command and control, you know? Well, I ended up, uh, two people left. I didn't fire okay. them because they, they, they selected out of the program, but one of them was the second in command when I got there and he ended up being a big problem and he ended up, uh, I, I, I was, I was, I'm not a super skilled bureaucrat, but I had some tricks. So yeah, I did what yeah. all bureaucrats do. I promoted him out of the system. I said, yeah, you're doing a great job. Let's find another job for you in the Navy. How's that sound? 
Right, right. He's like, yeah, I, I, by the way, I think you're batshit crazy. But um, so. Was there pranks? Did you do things, put things in their food? And yeah. <laughs> no, no. But uh, so here's he, our phrase is, uh, well, I'll tell you a very, very short story. So uh, here's a picture. We're fighting these fires. There's, it's, it's a big deal on a submarine because you're all contained. You can't get out. Mm-hmm. And we weren't that good. We'd had these retrospectives, how'd it go? And I kept hearing this word, they. And I finally got pissed off. And I'm like, beat my fist on, hey, there's no they on Santa Fe, which rhymed, which is very convenient because people actually believe stuff that rhymes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you got to say the word we. Now, six months later, because we had they like, oh, you're an officer. I'm an enlisted guy. I know you're an enlisted guy. I'm an officer. No, you're operations. I'm an engineering. Like they, 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 they. So I said, right. you have to use the word we. Now, we didn't have 1,500 mm-hmm. people, but we had 150. So yep. what happens is you start saying the word we. Now, the we is what you use for your tribe. They is the other tribe. So when you say the mm-hmm. word we, your brain says, oh, this person's in my tribe. And it actually grows the neurons together that makes the feeling that the person's in your tribe. So what happened is people were coming on the summary and said, this is the most amazing culture of teamwork. And I never, I laughed. I was just literally like, what? We never use the word culture. We have a rule that we use the word we. And so our phrase is we mm-hmm. act our way to new thinking. We don't think our way to new action. So we take mm-hmm. action. So I love the fact that you identified change in your core values, but you did things so that people changed. And then as a result of change, we say, oh, change isn't so bad. I survived that. I can survive change. Right. It's the right. action that results in rewiring the brains. That's how, that's how humans actually change. Mm, love that. Let's do this. Uh, one, I want to give a quick shout out. I hope uh, Linda McCormick, who I got an email from the other day, who's from the Bank of Ireland. Linda, I hope you made it here. I know you were trying to get the link and you were hoping to join us. So I hope you're here. Uh, Shannon, can we switch over? I'll let you call out the questions. You've been watching them. And Dave, let's try to do rapid fire. We've got about 10 minutes. So right, I'll give you yeah. kind of, let's try right, to do two minutes or less. below. I got it. <laughs> all good. All good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah you're it. good, Shane. Go awesome. ahead. Awesome. So look, first question, um, you know, in times of crisis, how do you stay the course when people naturally tend to look for direction? Uh, and especially when tough calls, like, for example, maybe slimming a business down have to be made. How do you stay the course with, with Great question. this intentional leadership? in times of crisis. So first of all, you recognize that in times of crisis, there's uncertainty and it's going to, it's going to bias you towards inaction. Try and resist that. Don't follow your instincts. There was an interesting study. They said, uh, imagine you're at the end of a course. You don't know whether you pass or fail, but you have the opportunity or you're on the edge of passing or failing. You have the opportunity to buy a cheap ticket to Hawaii. One third of the people were said you passed. A bunch of people said you failed. And a third group, they said, you don't know whether you passed or failed. In both groups that knew they passed or failed, the majority of the people bought the ticket. But in the group that didn't know, they didn't buy the ticket. But it doesn't make any sense because whether you passed or failed, there's only two choices, you either passed or failed. So if they thought about it, if I pass, I should buy it. But if I fail, I should buy it. But it's the uncertainty that causes us into inaction. You got to stay the course. And if your team has built the muscle memory of, not, of distributed decision-making, thinking on their own, then you, go, you double down. And, and our clients who've done that and build that muscle memory are doing really well. They're, they're adding people. They're adding revenue. They're doing, they're, 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 they're doing well. Get Beautiful. feedback from your team, though. Say, hey, look, I'm feeling nervous about this voice vulnerability. And say, if, if I start kind of going back, I need you guys to, to check me. Oh, I love that. If I start to go back, I need you to invite check. feedback. Mm-hmm. I give them, I, I give them refer, you know, those little yellow referee cards. Yeah. yeah like yeah, every once in a while I say, you know, and I want to get better at something like listening or some empathy. Uh, and I'll give my cards. I'll say, Hey, if you don't think I'm being, I'm listening, then you, you yellow card. me. We have in my office slingshot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Uh, great. Shannon, what's the next question? Let's go. Yeah. Someone, you know, asking, they have some younger ambitious team members who have expressed interest in becoming leaders. So how do they best utilize kind of an intent based leadership model to really uh, uncover their potential to drive and like, how do they embed this leadership mentality in, in young up and coming leaders? 
Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. How I'm an up and coming leader. How do I? Or I'm I'm a leader, and I have people under me who have interest in being leaders. How do I instill these values? You know, to them. Give them control. For few. Give them control. The, so, but but it's not willy nilly. Here I'm going to. This is our very complicated model. The idea is as a leader. So my daughter's bedtime is nine. She says, hey, dad, I want to stay up till midnight. You say, well, once you prove you can stay up to midnight, I'm, I'm going to give you your bedtime at midnight. It doesn't work like that. But that's how we treat people at work. Once you prove you have the maturity to make bigger decisions, then I'm going to give you bigger decisions. What? You got to let them participate. You got to give them. So the leader's job always give control. But we, when you say, hey, just tell me what you intend to do, tell, expose your thinking. You still have a chance to veto it. Now, it turns out that these things are anchored in their competence and their clarity. Like, they're technical. They need, they need to know the job if you're going to make decisions, and they need to know what we're trying to achieve. So what you do is you give people control, and you expose the cracks in competence and clarity, then you can work on it. Now, if you're on the subordinate side of this thing, then it's flip. What you do is you demonstrate competence and clarity and that makes it easy for your boss to give you control. That was, I was just going to ask that question. Kieran um, Neeson wrote that, basically was asking, you know, look, if the direction goes somewhere, but as an employee, the data suggests there's a different outcome yeah. and you want to protect the organization, but, you know, the language is, look, just get it done, get it done. How do you approach that? You know, it's similar to what you're just talking about. What's the best way um, for employees uh, to, to bring those issues up with, with their leaders? It's a two-step process. Most people forget step one. Step, first step is earn the right to be heard. Second step, be heard. Most people say, well, I'm just going to be heard. And, they, and what happens is with the way they say it mm -hmm. makes it unsafe for the boss. Remember, it's about safety for, for the team, but it's also safety for the boss. The, way people act, the reason they're acting this way is because they're already they're feeling vulnerable. So when you go to your and say, hey, I don't think that's good. We should do something else. You just challenge their authority. You're, you're sending a signal you think they're stupid, blah, 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 blah. It's unsafe. First, you earn the right to be heard. So remember, what's, what's, what's unemotional? Description. Start with description. So you And choice. Remember, small steps and choice help make it safe. So you say, hey, we would you like I, I this is your call so first of all we're going to support you 100 if you decide to do this or this we're going to line up behind it so you take all the authority contests off the table then you say mm. would you like to know how we see it not how, what we think you should do that's emotional remember mm. future emotional present description unemotional how do we see it okay uh, would you like to know choice also choice Oh, I love the word choice because it still gives me autonomy. Yeah, because you can say, still and they can say, no, I don't have time. Fine. You do that 10 times, they keep saying no, get a new job. Yeah. Okay, great. You, do you want to come down to the shop floor and take a look at the machine, or do you want us just to come up here? Do you want me to bring some pictures? Like, choice, choice, choice. Give them as much choice as possible because now they're controlling. They feel in a sense of control. And then you say, so here's what we see. Blah, 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 blah. Now what do you want us to do? Then the next week you say, here's what we see. Here's what we think. Now what do you want? Here's what we see. Here's what we think. Here's what we would do if we were you. Now what do you want us to do? <laughs> mm. But you got to earn the right to be heard first by exposing your competence and your, like exposing your thought process. And, and I, I, I will tell you, this is a hard learned lesson for me. I was the guy who always thought my boss was an idiot and I, I knew a better way and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm always doing it for the best of intentions. I, I'm protecting the organization. Earn the right to be heard before love you it. have influence. I love those steps too. Shannon, next question. We got a few minutes left. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we've touched on this a few times, but um, for people who've been operating in this permission-based system for so long, you know, and they just refuse to take initiative when we start to roll these processes out, what can we do? How can we help, you know, bridge that gap, get them to the other side? You want to be consistent, persistent, and you want to make it safe. If you keep, if you have a someone and you have, make sure you have respect too, because there's something in their background where they've tried this before and they got burned, who knows what it is. And do not view, 
leaders fix the environment, not people. If you start saying, well, this person's broken, they're broken. I mean, everyone wants well, there are some broken people, but 99% of your people are not broken. 99% of your people are good, trying to do the right thing. And if you create the right environment, that's your play space. Then once the other team starts to say, this is what we intend to do, they'll fix that person. You don't need to. Love that. What else you got, Shannon? Yeah, this is kind of a fun question, but has the military adopted any of the concepts you described yeah. and turned the ship around? Because, you know, they perceive it to be a very command-oriented Yeah, so if you go on, so, so the submarine forces, it's it spread. One of, one of the things that I'm, the reason I wrote the book was not because we went from worst to first and all this stuff, it's because of the next 10 years, 10 submarine commanders came from our one submarine. So in other words, it's not about the short-term performance because you can do that in a bunch of different ways, including yelling at people. It's about the long-term development of people. So when we had 10 submarine commanders, and so those guys went out and the chiefs went out. And so it was like this, we, we, we didn't spread as efficiently as COVID, but it spread throughout the Navy like a virus. And so if you, if you go on any submarine, you'll hear them. And the sub, Navy put the, uh, the book on their official Navy reading list. So they've done some steps. I mean, there's not a doctrinal change in terms of uh, the definition of leadership. It's a different definition than what I showed you, but it's, mm -hmm. it's equally bad. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Shannon, I think that's a wrap. Eh? We're, I want to make sure we're um, respectful of the yeah, time. Absolutely. An hour. David. I love yeah. you. Hey, you. thanks. Uh, so let me thanks for everything you're doing. I'm going to type a couple of things in. Uh, on YouTube, you guys check out Leadership yeah, Nudges. Please. It's our YouTube channel. I just have these little one-minute videos. Yeah, we're not doing one this week, but it's going to be an email. But there's like 300 on there already. Leadership Nudges on YouTube. Yeah, right. and I'm uh, our website is intent-based. Leadership.com. And my social media handles are what you see in my window at L. David Marquet on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Beautiful. David, thanks so much for your time. It's great to reconnect. Uh, let's stay in touch yeah. and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Congratulations on, your, on, on selling your company. Congratulations on your book. It's a great read, by the way. Thank so you. Uh, it's all about... I was scared of the word empowerment, but you went there. So you own, yeah. you own it, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Yeah. It's really yeah, good. Thanks. Super. Excellent. All right. Stay safe. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining today. Appreciate your time uh, and hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. Thanks. For more information on David or anything related to scaling culture, please see the show description. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest. Thanks for listening.